thank you for uh, joining us on episode two of this podcast. Thanks for having me, Matt. I'm super excited for the conversation here. So, you know, to familiarize people, you're a Web3 marketer. Can you maybe walk us through uh, a day in the life a little bit and, and how you became involved with Unhashed? Yeah, absolutely. So Unhashed is a content marketing agency and we help Web3 companies drive user ad adoption through content marketing. What that means is we essentially use SEO and um, content marketing to help Web3 companies acquire more users. Uh, we've been working with Moonpay, Ledger, um, um, ThirdWeb, Alio, and a lot of other Web3 companies um, to do this. I have been a Web2 marketer um, before this for about three, four years before I moved into the Web3 industry. Um, and yeah, this is what I do right now. And what are the big, uh, you know, because it's kind of interesting, right? There are these distinctions. As you've migrated from Web2 into Web3 marketing, what would you say are the biggest differences you see? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I think I get asked this question a lot. Um, and there are like um, a lot of differences. Um, one is, you know, um, what I've realized is Web3 marketers don't like Web2 marketers <laughs> for some reason. Um, <laughs> they don't yeah, like so each other? They don't get along? No, no, no. They they don't get along. Web3 folks, for some reason, think that, you know, Web2 folks are all about profit and, you know, um, making as much money as possible. And um, Web2 folks don't think that Web3 is all about, you know, scams. And um, so, yeah, that's there. <laughs> Um, but anyhow, I think, you know, um, Web3 marketers have a lot to learn from Web2 marketing. To answer your question as to what are the differences in um, marketing, um, a lot, you know. Uh, one is, you know, in Web2 marketing, you need to first focus on the skills. In Web3, it's more about the community and understanding the space um, uh, before, you know, uh, the skills come in. Um, the second is, you know, um, Web3 marketers, I feel like um, they focus a lot on... Um, just their vision and mission uh, versus Web2 companies where a lot of the North Star metric is just about uh, driving more revenue or driving more users. Um, and thirdly, I feel that um, in Web3, it's more about, like I said, you know, the culture, the community, um, moving the space forward um, versus, you know, um, Web two, where you know skills take priority. I think I said the same thing that I said in point two, but yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you're kind of right in the sense that Web three. I always notice there's kind of a promotional component of Web three itself, right? That's always built in. It's not just about hey, here's my product. Would you say when you're writing for a Web three company or project, are the CTAs as important? Is some kind of action at the end as vital? Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, you know, uh, to answer your question directly, no, uh, CTAs are not important. And the way uh, people usually think about CTAs is, or the way you think about CTAs when you're writing content is, so content follows this flow, which is, you know, um, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you, then I'm going to tell you, and then I'm going to tell you what I just told you. Uh, this is the <laughs> format, right? So it's kind the of introduction reiterated format. at the end, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And in the section where it's reiterated at the end is where you expect a CTA about the product or the service that's there, right? Uh, but that's not the way good content marketing is done. If the point of content is to get users from point A to point B, uh, point A being the problem state and point B being the solution state, then your product has to be the bridge that gets customers from point A to point B. And that does, and that um, and that does not happen in just a line or two at the end where you're plugging in your product after you've, you know, just written out a bunch of information, which is just a regurgitation of stuff that's probably already out there on the Internet, if that makes sense. Um, and this format of writing is something called product-led storytelling, which is, you know, how do you uh, tell a story with your product in the content that you're writing? So if you know Ahrefs, which is uh, an SEO tool um, used by marketers, um, then Ahrefs does a very good job of uh, product-led storytelling. They tell you, you know, all the bits of information that their users or their customers need to know. They solve all the problems or the major pain points that they know their target audience has, which is, have, which is you know, how do you find the relevant keywords for your product or how do you make a content piece rank? Uh, how do you evaluate search engine pages and all of these questions? But the way they answer these questions is they don't 
they use hrefs as the tool to help you get to the solution state they'll tell you how to rank on a on a, on on a search engine page but hrefs is the tool you'll have to use to be able to get to the end state and when you read the article it doesn't feel like they're selling you hrefs it's just that to get to the solution state you need to use their product um and they they don't write the entire piece of content stating you know hey you know you need to use us uh, you you need to use an seo tool to find out the keywords you need to do step 1 2 3 4 and the and at the end add a line saying you know hey if you want to do this easier just use href they actually show you how to do it with href right from the start right so href becomes that boat that gets users from point a to point b in the content piece and they do it very well through the stories that they tell in the content and none of it feels salesy in the introduction in the headlines that they write in the copy it never says you know um use hrefs to find out how to rank on google it says you know here are the 10 here are the steps to help you rank on google and then in the piece itself you know they use hrefs to tell you how to exactly do that step by step with screenshots with multimedia and not just you know uh, the text that they have written Right. So it sounds like you're sort of focusing always on informative educational posts. You're taking a a reader on kind of a journey, not just selling, "Hey, hey, here's our stuff." and and not posting just for the sake of posting, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh it's never uh posting just for the sake of posting, you know. If you look at content marketing, um I mean, content is means to an end. It should not be an end in itself, right? um and it's very important that people make that distinction and not just create content because everybody else is creating it because what's the point you know uh, you need to find out a way um uh, to stand out that's one thing um and you need to look at brand or strategy before tactics tactics is you know uh, tell me how to rank very quickly on google tactics is you know tell me how to tell me the steps to build thought leadership all of that all of those all of these tactics can be executed after you figured out the brand which is who is your ideal customer who are you trying to target to and most importantly how will you make your content stand out from the others that are out there in the market it's a great point and and so i want to jump in a little bit uh you have these sort of um unpopular opinions that you <laughs> post online that are, are are kind of intriguing and uh you know one of them is a bit on uh the idea of um like uh i guess consistency or using precision with audiences um you you specifically mentioned engagement farming i think uh can you maybe elaborate on some of those opinions a little bit for us yeah absolutely um like i said before you know content is means to an end it shouldn't be an end in itself um if you want to create content um um like don't just create content because everybody else is creating it think brand before tactics figure out answers to the four um uh 3 w's and 1 h which is you know who who what why and how who your ideal customer is uh what will make your content unique why do you want to create the content piece which is what is your kpi what is the business metric that you are moving and most importantly how will you get people to uh consume it you know once these foundational things are set then you can move on to the tactics then you can think about you know creating an editorial calendar every time a, a client or a project comes to us we don't start with hey you know what are the content pieces we need to create it's never about the con- editorial calendar or you know filling those blocks up it's always about hey what is the business about what is the product or the service about who are we trying to serve you know um, what are our competitors doing and how are we planning to stand out and things like that and once those foundational pieces are set it becomes very easy to answer questions like how much content should we produce whether or not we should be creating a particular piece of content and what is the right balance between let's say you know uh creating top of the funnel content pieces and creating bottom of the funnel uh content pieces a lot of the metrics if these foundational elements are not there people or projects generally tend to default to metrics that everyone sets for us which is um you know are you getting more number of likes more followers uh, more engagement and all these vanity metrics that are out there that really don't move 
business needles for you. They might move content needle, content metric needles for you, which is more traction, um, more engagement and all these things. But it really won't help you, you know, get more leads and, you know, uh, get more business out of it. Uh, so working on these foundational things are very important before you move on to, you know, uh, doing things like make a content calendar, figure out, you know, um, the content pieces you need to create and, and all these things. The problem is never the ideas. The problem is figuring out content that is meaningful to your users or creating content that your users will care about. Once you're clear on that, then um, then even, even you know, um, making content pieces just for the sake of traction makes sense because then it's strategic and you know what you're doing. Um, if that is not there, you would, like I said, you know, would tend to default to just creating content that creates traction and not those um, um, meaningful ones that are actually going to build trust and credibility with your audience and actually convert that traction that you have into dollars or revenue. Does that make sense? No, and it, I mean, yes. <laughs> yes, it makes absolute sense. I was going to say no because I, I've seen it happen so many times where people are so obsessed on just the likes or like these vanity metrics. And you're right, there's no real precision in terms of are we reaching that sliver of people who are reading this who are actually going to somehow uh, specifically benefit from our post. And then the second point, uh, I see it all the time as well, just this idea of just saturation of posts. Like the more we do, therefore we must have succeeded. How many, you know, I've done some marketing in the past, some freelance work, and, and you know, I had, I had clients who would be frustrated that there weren't enough posts on a given week. And I'm like, I'm, we're, we're trying to hit with some precision here, not just flood them and, and alienate people with uh, endless content that doesn't, mean anything so it, it totally exactly. resonates what you're saying yeah absolutely um and we're working with this company called third web um and the founder stephen barlett uh runs ran social chain before which was one of the largest social media um uh, companies uh to ever exist on the planet um and it, it was actually a brand that, that that's a different story but he's one of the the person, the people to go to when it comes to, you know, any social media tips, strategies or whatever it is. And we don't, you know, post content every day. Um, you know, we're very particular about what content pieces we put out um, and, you know, what is the standard and, you know, what is the quality of those content pieces? Are they actually helping our ideal customers? And when we put out a content piece, we know we are a new company out there and we are going from zero to one with content. So it's very important to us to think that, Think, you know, how once we've put out a content piece, how 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 are we getting how are we going to get our users to consume the content piece? And until and unless we're clear on on answers to these questions, we don't put out a content piece. It's just in the ideation phase itself. I think a lot of companies think that, you know, you just create a content piece and then you post the link to that on on your Twitter, on your Discord, and all these different places, and somehow, you know, users are gonna stay. But that that is not how it works, you know. You tune people out, you lose trust and credibility. Plus, you know, algorithms punish you for getting users to leave that platform to someplace else, right? Um, so what you need to do is think of distribution in the ideation phase itself, you know. Spend as much time as you can in the ideation phase, you know. Think of, like I said, you know, think about how are you get going to get users to consume the content piece that you're creating. You know, um, uh, spend as much time. We take months, months, weeks, wow. months to just you months, know, really. Uh, wow. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's so we unconventional in terms of how I think so many of us look at this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think so much, so much of content marketing advice out there is for companies who already have an established audience or a community, right? Um, how do you? How does a new startup who does not have any audience go? from zero to one with content marketing, you know, with a long form content piece. I, I can write a long form content piece, but I know that it's not gonna get any traction because you know, hey, like I don't have any community. Who's gonna drive that, you know? Um, so there's a strategy around this, you know, you need to piggyback on the macro narratives that are happening in the market, or you need to piggyback on the conversations that people are having, having and use that to, you know, drive traction to the piece that uh, you're writing. Being able to say the things that you want to say and get people to listen is privilege and it has to be right. earned. It 
it's earned over a period of time. It doesn't just happen, right? And you have to get to that point. People want to listen to everything that you have to say. But getting to that place takes time and, you know, strategy. And you have to figure out, and, you know, again, like I said, you know, um, you have to talk about the things that people are talking about and then maybe add your narrative onto it and come to a place with that small traction that you're building over a period of time to a point where, you know, people will listen to anything that you have to say because, you know, over a period of time, over a period of time you've built that uh, trust and credibility. It's kind of this flywheel where, you know, um, you capitalize on the macro narratives and, you know, um, you add on your own narrative on top of it. Then, you know, it, it, goes, it goes out in the market. And from all the readers that read, the, read your content piece, you take out, you know, a small community of your own, a community that knows, you know, that understands your take um, and and the unique approach you are taking to all the content that you're doing, which is the brand element that I talked about earlier. And you keep doing that over a period of time. You keep siphoning off the small community of readers or your audience that over a period of time will, you know, keep increasing and would want to hear your takes independently of, you know, whatever is happening at the macro level or whatever just people are talking about. Okay. Um, and yeah, that, that is the way you get from zero to one and get, get to a point where people want to listen to anything that you have to say. It doesn't, ju it doesn't just happen at the start. If you just come out and, you know, uh, talk about your brand or, you know, your product and your services, nobody's going to care, you know, uh, nobody knows you. Um, it's, uh, it's almost like, um, the same concept is just a regular one-on-one -on -one conversation. It's just a macro version of the same thing, right? Because if you're having a conversation on one topic and someone jumps in and starts talking about themselves too much or their own thing, people kind of yeah. tune out. And so it, it's just, you know, if we're talking about, you know, whatever it may be, it's AI or it's the convergence of Web3 and AI or is this, you jump in, you give your viewpoint on this issue. People are still already conversing about the topic. Uh, and gradually, like you said, you gain trust and interesting insights where they want to hear you on any topic. But in, in yeah. the beginning, it's, uh, that's how you're gaining it. So, and I think it's important what you're saying too, giving advice for that zero to one, because that's where I think a lot of people are so intimidated. And especially where I think a lot of founders are more impressed by their own products, not understanding that new people don't know or care who you are yet. Like you have to kind of entice them a bit in the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, very relatable, you know, founders come on calls and they just want to talk about, you know, their products and services. <laughs> <laughs> uh and then yeah. you know uh, yeah yeah no I, and i love the enthusiasm but i think it's it's true like i always try to assume i'm less interesting than i think i am and go from there and then <laughs> convince you that there's something interesting or, or 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 listen really i guess which is important but i was mentioning uh the ai aspect being something that's trending and very popular and as a copywriter i'd be curious to get, you know just jumping around a little bit curious to get your thoughts on how ChatGPT, Jasper, all these tools, how are they impacting your work as, as a writer? I know for me, I saw a huge change. Uh, I found myself, at least for a very run-of-the-mill posts, using AI quite heavily. What's it like over there uh, at Unhashed? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so thankfully, you know, uh, AI has not been able to replace our agency um, and we're still around. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've, I've been fortunate to be a part of the test program that Copy AI ran before ChatGPT was even around. Uh, and even now, you know, um, a big company recently reached out um, to uh, get me to be a part of a test program. Um, uh, they were, they're creating some tool around um, AI. I can't disclose the name at the moment. Um but it's 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 interesting, you know. Um, and in the interview, you know, when they were asking me about the challenges with um, AI tools and what has been my experience, they wanted to know, you know, what is the thing that I feel has been missing in all the AI tools so far. And my answer to that was, you know, um, like you said, you know, AI can create a lot of run-of-the-mill posts that we do, you know, and can replace a lot of general writers out there. Um, but the element I talked about, which is, you know, um, how do you inject a business or a service in, inside of a content piece? Or, you know, how do you do product-led storytelling? Um, I think, you know, that is, it's a long way before, you know, AI can, uh, can, can tackle that or understand that. Because that involves, you know, taking inputs about your own product or service, um, understanding your users, understanding the resources that you have and, you know, what are you good at, which is, you know, maybe is it, is it copy? Is it, you know, some other form of media? Um, and also, you know, keeping that voice and tone consistent. 
uh, throughout all your content pieces. That's very difficult to do. Um, uh, I don't know if AI is AI can even do that. Um, so a lot. So AI can create a lot of you know regurgitation of content that's already out there, um, but it cannot you know uh, understand the product or service that you have and then create content specifically for your target audience. Uh, in a way, you know, that gets them from point A to point B using your tool or your product, if that makes sense, which is, you know, what good content marketing is about. Well, it's funny, right? Because I, at least at this point in time, I think I've noticed that it's very easy to get articulate and, and mass quantity posts and, and content. But it is hard, like you're saying, to get that personality in there. There's still, even when it generates personality, there's a certain clinical quality to it. It's not quite, you can kind of still tell when there's a real human behind it. There's almost, it sounds strange to say, but there's almost a certain perfection in imperfection when it comes to writing. Like you don't want it to follow a certain flawless, if it's too flawless, it doesn't feel real anymore, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's so funny. Uh, a friend was telling me the other day that she wrote a post uh, using AI. And there, there are tools out there, right, that, that can detect whether you've written the content piece with AI or not. And um, her editor was able to figure out that she used AI for it. And uh, she was telling me all these hacks that can be used. I'm not saying that she used it uh, to, you know, even... Um, like navigate around this. So what she did was, you know, just in the in the post that she didn't just add extra spaces in different places, you know, which is adding imperfections or flaws and, and you know, uh, making the AI content score go less and people then can't figure out that it's AI written. Um, <laughs> um, so just an interesting uh, bit there. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And um, I can almost tell uh, after reading a piece that, you know, whether it's AI written or not, like an entire end-to-end -end, uh, uh, content piece because it's repetitive. Um, right. And, you know, the the structure and flow that it follows is also the sentence structure. It keeps repeating after a particular point of time. And, yeah, I mean, um, when you read it, it really feels like a robot has um, written all the pieces out. Now, that said, I still feel that AI has its place and... Like we use Jasper um, inside of our agency. We use Market Muse, we use ClearScope, um, and we use a lot of other uh, tools to help us um, in the content work that we do. But we're very particular about the way we use these tools. Um, and how it works is, you know, it's not writing a post end-to-end -end with AI content piece. It's not even, you know, uh, doing the structure uh, with AI. What we do is we do the uh, briefs on an on our own, you know, like I said, you know, we figure out, you know, how we're going to talk about the product inside of the uh, content piece. It's usually a standard way. Once you've done four or five pieces as to how you're going to talk about the product and how, um, you know, it, the product is going to be communicated across the content pieces. But inside of each sections, you know, the research on, you know, what are the stats around a particular uh, topic, you know, what are the recent news that are coming up um, in the introduction can be lead uh, with some interesting trend that's happening in the industry, or can we link up some report that that is around? You know, all of the research bits that are there. You know, I think AI does a fantastic job of you know uh, pulling all of those up for us. Um, but also, you know, uh, ChatGPT and all these tools they give you data as recent as 2021. And with Web3, things are changing every day, so it's sometimes also difficult um, uh, to get the right piece of information, but then there are plugins and extensions that you can learn about um, and use. Um, and yeah, you pull up all these uh, fantastic researches and reports uh, without having to go um, on different uh, newsletters and uh, different places to even look look for uh, these things up. No, I think it's very true. And I, I, yeah, there's kind of an ideation quality for AI. Do you think uh, there's gonna be a point where the writing is from AI is indistinguishable. And we're gonna to get to that point where marketers have to really rethink how they produce content. I think if AI figures out a way to add personality uh, to its content piece, and I think input is an important element to it. Um, if AI can figure out some way to uh, uh, ask for the right inputs as well before writing a content piece, which is, you know, hey, tell me about what is the product or service about? Tell me what is the tone or style you want? Um, tell me, you know, who are we communicating to and tell me more about the audience. If it can ask for inputs on all these different kind of things and then create a content piece with all the information that it, that it has, then I think, you know, it, it, it's going to be like 
super interesting and we might come to a place where you know um ai can replace a lot of good writers out there um but i think you know that that is still far and you know there's a lot of work to be done before we can get to that point well it's funny you say that because that that's the same point i keep thinking as well that it's at this point we're kind of at this very input output phase you give it something it shoot something back, but it's not inquisitive. It doesn't ask you a lot of follow-up questions, generally speaking. There may be some exceptions out there, but generally speaking, it's not asking a lot of follow-ups. It's not insightful. It's not curious. It's just kind of giving you output. So there's a very one-way dialogue, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, and plus, you know, I think even right now, uh, even giving those inputs is a skill. And yeah. people who understand them, understand that, you know, can get to, you know, 40% of uh, the way there. Um, but again, you know, uh, if ChatGPT or or Jasper or any of these tools can figure out a way to ask for inputs uh, and become intelligent at that process, then I think, you know, it's going to be a very interesting play. That's fine, because even when I was doing writing using a lot of AI, I, I was recognizing that the average non-writer wouldn't even know what types of prompts to use. So there still is a skill in, in even kind of understanding dialogue, conversation. If a post doesn't come out the way you want it, kind of knowing how to refine it, knowing, uh, you know, so you have to understand how to write regardless, I think. Yeah, Same thing absolutely. with a coder, right? Like I couldn't use these tools to code because I have no idea how to code. <laughs> so it's just, I'm not even gonna be able to review whether it came out properly or not. Yeah. So it's pretty interesting. Uh, let's jump into something that I think is pretty interesting, which relates directly to AI. And it's kind of the future of the search engine itself, right? I mean, a lot of what you do is SEO marketing, and we've seen just this massive shift potentially in what search engines look like, obviously with like Bing integrating uh, ChatGPT. We're looking at Google Bard and some of these early projects and you know more uh, language models on the way. How should marketers adapt and prep themselves for this kind of tectonic shift, if you will? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think brand over a period of time is going to become increasingly more important. Um, and all of these different uh, ways to get customers, uh, whether it's through um, SEO or, you know, social media or any of these places, um, uh, SEO, SEO is no more going to be just SEO. It's going to be SEO plus brand. So if you can't figure out a way to distinguish your brand, even in search engine results, then you are in trouble um, because there's no shortage of information anymore, right? You can just type a few lines and, it's, and you know, uh, Google, Google or any of these engines are going to just give you the information. And plus over a period of time, if you just look at Google results, themselves, you know, uh, it's no, it's no more just, you know, different uh, hyperlinked pieces that come out. It, it has become images, it has become featured snippet, it's become those organic snack bars that come out. It's also videos now, right? Um, so everything is being optimized for user experience. Um, so figure out a way to, you know, uh, one, uh, like, make you like put users first, that's one thing. Um, figure out, you know, how they want to consume content um, and, you know, use that media to do, to, you know, uh, serve them that. Um, the second is, um, like, focus on brand, you know, focus out how, focus on, you know, how you're going to distinguish yourself in the market and how you're going to stand out. Um, that's the other thing. Um, and then, you know, um, figure out how to use new technologies uh, and all of these different tools that are coming up to optimize user experience as much as you can. If you are an e-com store, don't just focus on, you know, creating SEO pages that help you rank on whatever is the uh, term you want to bid for. Also focus on, you know, if you can create um, a virtual experience where you where customers can come in and maybe try out different products in a virtual environment um, or all of these different um, mediums or tools you have at your disposal to optimize user experience like yeah put users first is is my uh, entire uh, point so brand uh, and user experience those are the two key things uh, that marketers should focus on probably so it's kind of transcending what we used to have right which was focusing on keyword density and yeah writing for the algorithm, which created a lot of really horrible <laughs> looking websites where the content always felt very stilted. And 
let me not to put words in your mouth, but if I'm correct, you're kind of saying we're, we're now moving to a more sophisticated phase where the content really does need to connect with the user. It's not just slipping in those keywords. It's really, and in that sense, you've protected yourself against changes in search engines or technology because you're applicable on various platforms and then your content is potentially shareable. It connects with people. It, it has something meaningful. It, it's not trying to yeah. trick an algorithm, so to speak. You you put that so well, you know, um, uh, when you put your users first, you become also, you immune yourself to, you know, all these algorithm changes that, that keep happening, you know. Um, don't optimize for the algorithm. This is something that I keep saying. Optimize for the user, you know, um, uh, and, you know, don't create for the algorithm, optimize for the algorithm. Uh, right. Create for the user, optimize for the algorithm. Um, so, yeah, definitely. I think, um, so, yeah. There are Web2 marketers and then, then, then there are Web3 marketers. Um, it feels almost weird to even make that distinction. Um, but uh, since I come from the Web2 world, that feels a bit different from um, the, web, the Web3 world. So Web2 marketers have this concept where they talk about the dark web, which is, you know, um, uh, insisting a lot of uh, marketers to move away from SEO and all these um, uh, channels to more more towards brand and demand generation marketing, which is, you know, uh, focus on um, creating a brand and focus on, you know, uh, getting more word of mouth and focus on, you know, more social media channels. The analogy around this is, you know, um, attribution is flawed. Um, if I come to Google and let's say search for Web3 growth tools um, and uh, something comes up, uh, you know, I look at a few tools and then I forget about it. Um, let's say a few days later, you know, I come on LinkedIn and, you know, I see a post from, uh, say, a company called Raylion, uh, which is a Web3 growth tool, um, and I see what they have done and I read up on them and then, then again, maybe I forget about it. The second day or the third day, I come up again on uh, some other social media channel. I hear my friends talk about it, um, and and you know uh, I listen about Raylion um, again and again. And let's say you know at one point I really feel that hey you know I can't do my marketing stuff anymore. I really need a tool. I come on Google and I type Raylion. I come to their website and I make a purchase. Now HubSpot or whatever attribution tool that you're using will give all the credit to. Google for getting you that customer. Um, but what has actually happened is, is it's not that um, one touch point of just SEO. It's, it's also, you know, them seeing your posts on social media, them listening about you from your friends and communities and all these different places. And attribution for all these different places is, is uh, tough or nearly impossible. So what the marketer of um, Raylion might do, they might cut out the budget for social media and all these referral marketing channels, and they might double down on SEO because HubSpot or whatever attribution tool they were using told them that the customer came on Google, typed in Raylion and, you know, made the purchase, right? Um, and this is something very good about Web3, I think, you know, because there is so much focus on community and putting, you know, um, like, you not exactly users first, but so much on, you know, uh, the community aspect of it that, you know, um, that the focus on, you know, just direct channels like SEO or, you know, PPC or ads is is not so much, you know, it's, it's more on the user. Uh, but I think that that has to be a bit more directed. Um, and Web3 companies can learn a lot from Web2 companies. I think this is a spectrum, you know, and Web2 companies are very much focused on profit, 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 and Web3 companies sometimes, you know, founders uh, get too much on the opposite end when they are just optimizing for the community and all the elements that they want. So what is healthy is, you know, coming somewhere in the middle where you learn about KPIs, where you learn how to, you know, um, set your North Star metrics, where you learn about, you know, how do you, you know, actually set up a funnel and convert a lead into a customer and all these different things that Web2 marketers are so good at. And Web2 marketers, on the other hand, can learn from Web3 marketers where they understand more about putting users first, focusing more on the community and all the aspects around it before they can, you know, uh, think about leads and customers and conversions and all these different aspects. I think that's a, that's a really fantastic point. There's sort of a, an ethereal a uh, very 50,000 foot view way of covering web three. And, and I think, yeah, that balance is so important. Um, something I'm curious about, it, and this is a thing that is in the, the web three blockchain crypto space. Um, there is a lot of controversy right now in the space. There's a lot of, it's a space with a lot of, you know, we see mainstream programs with critiques and whatnot. You see a lot of excitement, but you also see a lot of, uh, 
controversy. How do you advise brands to navigate that terrain? Because it is distinct from any other, you know, it's not just e-commerce. Like, you know, when you say crypto that, or NFTs, to some people, these are loaded terms. Of course, to others, they're extraordinarily exciting terms. Yeah, um, and that's a very good question. And I think there's a reason our company is called Unhashed because we are unhashing a lot of the technical jargon that you know uh, comes in the uh, in, in the industry. Um, as to you know, uh, how do you how do brands you know navigate the space when there is so much controversy and there there's just so much going on, and just the perception you know of the space um, when you when you say the term NFTs you know don't just Think about what people think about when you say the word crypto, you know, um, what is it that your customers think about? Um, and, you know, how are you changing the perception around that? And how are you focusing on your uh, community? Those are all very, very important questions. And this becomes even more trickier when there is a Web3 brand that's trying to target a Web2 user base. Um, and, you know, um, and uh, same, uh, I think, and even, you know, uh, Web2 users who come, Web2 companies who come and try to target the Web3 audience. Um, um, because there's this element of, uh, you know, do we understand the Web3 space enough? And the community, the Web3 community, it's different, you know. Uh, Doodles didn't tweet for months, you know. Moonbirds tried to sell uh, conference tickets to their holders. These are all good things for the business, you know, but not mm -hmm. necessarily uh, things that, you know, I mean, you need to get the culture. Um, and right, right. Uh, right. If, if if that does not happen, you know, um, you, you've you've already lost it. Um, so how do brands navigate all of all of these challenges and 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 these things? One thing is, you know, um, just stay in the community. Um, listen to your community as much as possible. Um, I think I did a post the other day on, you know, don't hire writers who don't hold any Bitcoin or Ethereum or who have not yeah. been scammed ever and um, things like that. So just, you know, um, one thing is just just be in the community, um, understanding, you know, uh, the space, understanding your users, understanding the sentiments, understanding the culture is going to teach you a lot about, you know, um, how people react to certain things um, and, you know, um, how, like, what is actually important to your customers. Um, and just being aware of those things will help you make better decisions if and when something like this happens. So that's, that's step one. Um, the next thing is, you know, uh, try to stay clear on your values um, and, you know, define, like I said, you know, step one is always brand. Uh, so be very clear on what your brand stands for, who your ID customers are, and who you're going after. Um, like excluding a certain user base is as important as including uh, a certain mm. user base. That's a great um, point. So, yeah, I think those are uh, primarily uh, the the two things um, that I would focus on. Um, the third is again, it's it's not uh, like very related, um, but talk to you know again uh, more uh, Web three um, uh, marketers or. CMOs or uh, CEOs of companies who've already, you know, uh, like built successful Web3 companies or who have who've gone through a lot of these things. Stay close to them. Don't don't get get into a position like don't hire people because then they they'll be talking to you just to sell their stuff. You know, just make friends with you know maybe CMOs like I said, you know, of companies who who you who who just just make friends with them, build relationships with them so that you know you can ask for their advice before you execute on some things or just to get yourself prepared for everything that's coming. They'll also be able to give you good insights on you know uh, like like what happens when you take certain actions and you know what are the things to generally avoid and stay clear from and things like that. Does that make sense? No, it makes uh, complete yeah. sense and I was just thinking it's uh, these terms don't exist in a vacuum, right? And I think that's a great way of looking at it. And I, I think that's kind of what you're getting at, am I right? That basically you can't just say NFTs or crypto. It's how you're crafting a story. It's how you're 
discussing it. It's the context and the person you're speaking to. Uh, maybe you're speaking to someone who's very familiar with the space, and then you can kind of throw these terms around, and it's not going to impact them. If you're speaking to people who are completely new to Web3, then maybe use alternative terms. I see like digital collective collectibles yes. becoming more and more of a term. Or if you use NFTs, you're using it in a different way. So it's it's really, again, understanding who you're speaking to more than anything. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like, yeah, just, just, so I was, I was more focusing on the tips that you can, the tactics that you can use to actually execute on that. So the things I focused on one was, you know, be in the community. And like you said, you know, once you're around your users, you will understand what is their level of awareness of the Web3 space or, you know, whatever you want to talk about. And then you want to figure out the lexicon uh, around, you know, what terms to use and what terms not to use. Just be around the community. That is step one, you know, ex like, be around your ideal customers as much as possible. Uh, immerse yourself in the community. Um, uh, do things with them. Talk to as many people as possible. Um, the second is, you know, your brand. Um, so, uh, like, when you say, you know, what terms to use and how to describe them, all of that, you know, for me, comes under brand. Uh, so understanding, you know, how do, how would you communicate about your product to your users? First is how do you, like, who are your uh, ideal customers? Understanding them um, thoroughly. Then, you know, uh, understanding, you know, like all the uh, what, why, how questions that I uh, mentioned and um, the part of lexicon as to what terms to use and what terms not to use and how to communicate about the product, all of that comes under the brand element. So figure out, you know, how your brand is going to be, how, like, what is the perception you want to create in the market? What are the values you're going to stand by? Uh, who are the people you want to include? And who are the customers you probably want to leave out when you want to like even target a uh, particular uh, segment of users? And it has to be, you know, prioritized. Uh, it can't be, you know, two at the same level because then you don't understand what prioritization means. It has to be very clear, you know, audience like persona one, two, three, and four. So the brand is the second element. And the third is, you know, um, just try to connect with as many people who have done similar uh, things in the past. Talk to, you know, like I said, other marketers who have worked in, in, in similar companies in the past. Just try to build relationships with them so that, you know, you can get their insights. Like I said, you know, don't make it transactional. Don't, if you want to hire them at some point in the future, that's good, you know, but, you know, uh, try to just keep relations with them so that you can have their advice on, you know, um, things as and when needed. So brand, so community, you know, brand, and then, you know, uh, relations. Those are the three things. And on the relations part, I think that's just great life advice too. I think just in terms yeah. of just having a, a robust network and, and you're right, not making it always so transactional or you're always immediately, hey, we've connected, therefore this has to happen right out of the gate. Sometimes you have people on your, uh, you know, extended networks and eventually something uh, comes together. Um, let me ask you this as we kind of wrap up. You know, we're looking at a, a new internet where a lot of multimedia content is coming out. I think there, you could maybe say there's a bit of a tug of war between copy and then video, audio, et cetera. Uh, how do you see that? And how do you, when you're speaking to brands, how do you recommend folks balance out, you know, these different, these different ways of presenting content? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's a great question. It would be selfish of me to just say that copy is everything, um, but unfortunately it's not. And it's like a t-shirt, as... copy is king or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and then, you know, again, it's good to acknowledge that the world is moving more and more towards uh, visual and video. Um, and um, yeah, and those things exist. Now that said, I still feel that all the uh, foundational principles of what makes copy work is up should be applied in you know all forms of multimedia content that you're creating whether it's audio video um video also in in a way is copy right audio or whatever form of audio or or image that you want to put out that also is is a form of copy in terms of you know the psychological principles and uh, you know what makes uh, people tick um and the foundational principles applied in copy is all applied in other uh, forms of multimedia as well um, marketing is about people, you know, it's, it's that simple and that complicated. Um, and you know, um, that has to be applied everywhere, everywhere in your copy, in whatever form of marketing, um, that you're doing and whatever like version of that is, um, that, that you're putting out in terms of, you know, um, like, like what to focus on. Um, like there are three things I feel that you should take into account. One is, you know, the resources at your disposal. Um, like, 
strategy is not just strategy. Strategy is strategy. Strategy is not just what works. It's 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 what works plus what works for you, right? Mm. Uh, so I can give you a very comprehensive list of hey, you know, you should create two videos a two videos a week for LinkedIn posts or maybe threads every day. But you know that is what works. It's not what's going to work for you based on you know what 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 resources you have at the moment. Um, so you just need to probably pick one or two channels and 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 you know uh, go after it. So one is you know really that you have do you have the 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 money and the time um for you know whatever channel you're going after and whatever form of media you're going after if it's video do you really have you know um the quality of production or even like the bare minimum that's needed uh to put out a good good video um in front of your audience uh, so that is one thing you know figure out the resources second is you know figure out what excites you and what is it what is the thing that you want to create and you know uh, so if it's copy go for copy you know um, if it's audio go for audio if it's video go for video um, like every form of media I don't think you know copy is dead you know good copy still has its place um, and like this is, I'm sure, you know, we can strike a balance between, you know, what you want to create versus, you know, what is needed or, or you know, um, what is trending or whatever it is. But, you know, you, you like keep, you know, what excites you or what you want to create uh, top of list because, you know, then you can uh, it would be easier to stay consistent. And plus, you would want to do it for a long, longer period of time. Um, and the third is, you know, um, figure out what your audience wants. Um, so. Like, what is the form of media that they like to consume content in? Um, that plus, you know, look look around the landscape and look at, you know, what your competitors are doing. If everybody is doing copy, you probably don't want to do copy. You probably want to try out some other um, form of media out there. Um, uh, like, if it, I, I think, you know, Coin Puro, uh, that is the uh, YouTube channel. I think they did a fantastic job when everybody was putting out uh, news in the form of text. You know, they came up with videos and then, you know, um, uh, those news weekly recaps that they were doing, you know, really uh, shot off. Um, so yeah, uh, those are the three things, your resources, what works for you, uh, you know, um, uh, plus, you know, uh, what your audience wants, plus, you know, what your competitors are doing, you know, and where is the gap, uh, that, that you can, uh, figure out and, you know, yeah, just, just balance these, uh, three, four things and, and you're good. I wish, you know, that there was a, a straight cut answer where it said, you know, you know, step one, do this, step two, do this, step right, three, do this. Right. <laughs> the person you really figure out a way to you know talk to the person uh figure out you know uh what what are the resources they have what is it that they themselves you know have a selfish desire to maybe work on and then also you know uh, what competitors are doing and if there's a way to balance all three well, that's why they come to you. I mean, they need someone who can kind of <laughs> dissect everything that's happening. Uh, and, and just on, on one of the points you made there, I, I completely agree that copy is still going to be relevant. I think there's a lot of talk of multimedia in terms of uh, video audio, but there's a certain quality to, um, and a certain privacy in a sense, when you can read a really beautifully uh, put together yeah. piece. You know, you can be listening to your own music, you can be uh digesting the copy or the content at your own rate i mean very often i'll have youtube videos and i just want to get to the transcript <laughs> so i just want to get to the sort of the very technical aspect so it's not i think it's a good point to see that it's not always there's not like the right way to do it it's what's right for the brand and what's right for uh what you're trying to achieve um yeah, so you know as we sort of wrap up here uh awesome conversation so many great topics we covered is there like one major takeaway you would give web3 uh, brands and people uh looking to to market and then of course uh over at unhashed how can they get in touch with you how can they get started and what should they ask as they get started yeah absolutely and again all of those are uh, great questions um the first was i think what 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 is like one big takeaway that you want uh, uh people to have um I think again, uh, it's it, there's not one. I think there are the three, and I've reiterated this a couple of times in the entire uh, conversation. One is, you know, get yourself in the community as much as possible. 
uh, it's really, really very, very difficult in Web3 to make any marketing work if you don't understand the culture, if you don't understand people, and if you don't understand, you know, um, just your audience base in general. So figure out ways to be in the community, be on Discord channels, be around on Twitter, listen to conversations that are happening, listen to, you know, the macro narratives that are, um, you know, um, happening. That will give you very good ideas and, you know, um, what content to create, you know, what makes people tick, um, and you know, every every everything around around that. Um, a lot of the questions that you have that you have, you know, you will be answered when you are around the community, and and you know when you can like yeah, just spend spend a lot of time there. Um, figure out ways to champion the cause of the community and the user also internally. Um, and that, again, will happen only when, you know, you've spent enough time talking to people and being in the community yourself, when you understand, you know, what people are going through, what makes them tick and all those things. Um, the second is, you know, um, think profit first, you know, a lot of people are going to bash me probably in the comments for saying this. Um, <laughs> um, but I think for some reason, you know, Web3 has become this um, uh, space where, you know, people dissuade founders of from thinking profit first, and it's more about the people in the community, which is awesome. But you know, you can only you know keep going. Um, um, you gotta you keep only, the lights on at some point. Yes, yeah. keep the lights on. Um, if if you you know think about profits, and if you you know actually take the time out to understand you know uh, how uh, businesses work, build a sound business first. Everything else is gonna uh, fall into place next. Uh, so build a sound business first, learn, you know, how funnels are made, you know, how do you actually get leads and how do you convert them into customers? How do you retain customers and all of those different things? Uh, so focus on profits. That, that's point two. And the third is, you know, um, just figure out, you know, ways to be around smart people or, you know, um, so uh, like figure out ways to be around good marketers around uh, so that, you know, they can give you insights on all these different things. They can help you, you know, um, get to profitability, get to help you, you know, build a sound business um, and help you, you know, think through a lot of the marketing elements that come up. Just, you know, make friends with them. Uh, once you're around these people, you'll like understand a lot of these things. And very important to not make it transactional. You don't want people to be, uh, to be, you know, selling you. Just, just get their insights, you know, just talk to them. That That is all you need to do. Um, and, you know, again, a lot of things will uh, fall into place. The community, profitability, and, you know, figure out uh, ways to be around smart marketers. Um, those are the three points. <laughs> Um, Love it. So, so great. And I guess uh, people who want to get started could just go to unhashed.io, right? Is that a good starting point? Yes, that, that unhashed.io, that, that is the website. Me and my co-founder have been, you know, um, struggling to get our newsletter started for a very, very, very long time. A lot of people, you know, have um, asked us to do that. So that that's coming as well. But unhashed.io, that is the place you'll um, get everything about, you know, the clients that we work with, the website, the work that we do. Otherwise, um, I'm always around on LinkedIn if anyone wants to reach out. Um, both me and my co-founder are active on LinkedIn. Um, so yeah, LinkedIn is the place and then the website. Yeah, and send over that newsletter. We'll be sure to get it out and pump it and get it, get the word out <laughs> when it's ready. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, thank you so much for joining. Uh, awesome for conversation. And yeah. Great conversation. Yeah. yeah, I would love to have you back on again at some point. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you.